Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. We could give the Lord glory this morning. Church, you look beautiful. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Those that are viewing us through Ustream, uh, thank you for joining us. Today I have a, a special visitor here visiting my sister. If she can uh, raise her hand, give her a little shout out. Uh, they say that when you go uh, into pastoral ministry, your life starts to transform. Uh, I'm not talking about the spiritual, right? Sometimes you see me walking with these. It's because, you know, it's transforming in different ways, right? Through the exterior, right? Uh, I'm going to try to hold on to my hair as long as I can in ministry. But, I, I, you know, sometimes I'm putting the gel and I'm like, I still got it. I still got it, Jesus. But uh, let's, uh, let's uh, stand up. And open up to God's holy word. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 through 33. Let's pray before uh, we read the scriptures. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing among your people, Father God. These are your people, Lord. This is your church, Father Lord. We all belong to you, Father God. And we thank you, Father Lord, for what you're going to do this morning in advance, Father Lord. We know that the word uh, goes out, Father Lord, and does what it needs to do, which is to build, restore, uh, uh, just uh, edify. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The word of the Lord reads like this. Numbers 13 from verse 26 through 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here, it is, here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in the Negev. The Hittites and Jezebites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among, they, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we had explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I'm going to be ministering under the theme, whose report will you believe? 
whose report will you believe? You may be seated, church. When we get to the book of Numbers, I want to give you a quick little uh, a context of where we are here. Uh, the book of Numbers uh, follows the exit of the Israelites from Egypt. After they exit uh, Egypt, the book of Numbers is there, right? That's, that's the, the continuation of their journey after the exit. It's where God makes a covenant with Israel in Sinai, right? He makes a covenant there where he, gets, he gives them the Ten Commandments. He makes a covenant with the Israelites in, in, in Sinai. We also see that that covenant gets broken. It gets broken through unbelief and rebellion. But no matter what the Israelites did, God is faithful to his covenant. No matter how many times they became uh, rebellious, no matter how many times uh, they, they unbelieved, their unbelief settled in, and no matter how many times, God still kept loving his people. And that's the God we serve, right? That no matter how many times we, we drop the ball, no matter how many times things go wrong, God never leaves us or forsakes us, right? Because his covenant and his promises towards his people are forever. How many say amen? They stayed in the wilderness in Sinai for a year. They, they, they went from the exit of Egypt to Sinai where they stood for a year, where they received God's commandments, where they had a, a, a covenant with the Lord. And from Sinai, they in, entered the wilderness. From the wilderness, it was the, the, the region of Moab that will lead you right towards the, the, the borders of the Jordan River. So it's Sinai, the wilderness, Moab, right? And then the Jordan, right at the region. So we find ourselves in the wilderness, right? Uh, as they exit Egypt, they start to complain. We know the story, right? Uh, uh, they start to complain. But how many of you know that the wilderness is the process of God in our lives? How many of you know that before you could get to where God has called you to go, there's a wilderness season? There's a, there's a process that must happen. The process takes place with the Israelites there in the wilderness. The wilderness is not for you to be there for a long season. The amount of time that you spend in the wilderness, it all depends on you. Because the wilderness is temporary. It's, it's for a season only. But we know that the Israelites, they, they, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. It wasn't God's will for them to be there 40 years because they, they, they started to complain. And in, in the middle of, of being tested, they start to complain. Man, the food in Egypt was better. At least over there, they gave us food. At least over there, things were, things were good. You see, Egypt, we, when we think about Egypt, we, we really go into the concept of how the Israelites were in slavery. But we forget that Egypt for the Israelites, wasn't always bad. There was a period where they experienced good times in Egypt. There was a period where they enjoyed their foods. There was a period where they, they had fun in Egypt. But the Bible says that because they increased in numbers, 
They became a threat to Pharaoh, and that's why Pharaoh enslaved the Egyptians, right? But sometimes when we find ourselves in that wilderness moment, we quickly think about how good were those days in Egypt? How good were those days, right? Because we think about those difficulties, because the wilderness is meant, like I said, for just a short period of time. The wilderness is there to purge you from the Egyptian mentality. We got to go through the wilderness to be purged from, from all, that, all that nonsense that we had in the world, all that, all that garbage that we have received. So we go through the wilderness because God says, I want to dwell with you. I have a covenant with you, but I got to purge you first. I got to clean you out. And that's where the wilderness season comes in. How many can say amen? The wilderness is there. It's a place where he cleans us, right? He cleans our mind. He cleans our heart. It's a place of brokenness. It's a place where, where in, our, in that purging season and in that brokenness, we learn to trust in who he is. The wilderness is where we are made. You see, we already have enough to worry about. We have the three main enemies of the Christian faith. Do you know what are those three enemies? The enemies are the world and its agenda and how it's trying to uh, push its agenda on the church. How this, the world just uh, views Christianity and, and, and just speaks down towards us, right? The world has so much pollution, that's the first thing you have to worry about. You got to protect yourself from that, right? You go to your workplace, you, you're changing the locker, and everybody's cursing around you. Everybody's talking vulgar. Uh, you got to just shield yourself, right, because that's the world. Then you have the flesh, your own desires, your own weaknesses, your own uh, uh, the temptations that you, you battle. Then you have... The enemy himself, the devil, right? That's a lot to worry about. That's a lot to worry about there. So God brings the Israelites through this wilderness because he knows that the Israelites are going to face this type of enemy. And he brings them through there because he wants them to know the wilderness, even though it's a place of brokenness, is a place where, where, where he purges us, is also a place of victory. When you think about the wilderness, you don't think about victory. You think about, oh, man, the hardships. But God wants you to experience the victory in the wilderness. He wants you to experience that victory. How does that victory look like in the wilderness? How did that victory look like for the Israelites? Well, the wilderness, in the wilderness, God comforted the Israelites. In the wilderness, there was provision from God towards his people. In the wilderness is where the people learn to trust who he is. That's a victory. It's a victory when you can trust God. It was in the wilderness where the names of Jehovah Jireh, my provider, was established. It was in the wilderness where, where Jehovah Rapha was, was known as the healer. It was in the wilderness where Jehovah Nisi was known as the one who carries the banner for the Israelites. God says, I want you to have the victory in your wilderness season. I want you to see the victory in the middle of hardship. 
I want you to know that I'm the one that's walking with you. How many say amen? But you see, your attitude determines on how you view that report. Difficult times come, but the first thing I want to show you in this passage is that the report Moses and the entire Israelite camp receives, verse 27. It says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which, is, which you sent us, and it does flow milk and honey, and here is its fruits. So the land did have milk and honey. The land was fruitful. Was it that they had good farmers over there? It was fruitful because that's what God said it was. It was fruitful because that's what God said it was. God had made a covenant with Israel. A covenant, you know what's a covenant? A covenant is when two people come into agreement. The agreement was, you be faithful to me, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there with you. But uh, what does the covenant look like in, in, uh, for us nowadays, right? A covenant is when you, go, when you get married, for example. You go to the, to the court, and you and your future spouse, you sign a, a document, right? Marriage license. It's, an, it's a covenant. It's an agreement. But God's covenant is not like the human covenant because we break our covenants and the God we serve never breaks his covenant. We break, I mean, if I tell my son, if I bring my son here, he'll tell me, yeah, dad promised me a couple times to take me to the card shop and sometimes that doesn't happen because in our human nature, we are, we are prone to break the covenant. But God, the God we serve, he doesn't break his covenant. As a matter of fact, the Bible is full of promises. The Bible is the, the greatest covenant that God has made with man. The covenant is God's blessings for your life. How many say amen? The covenant is God's promises for your life. I'll give you an example of a, of a covenant promise that God has made with, with you and I. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all things will be added on to you. What is that? That's God's promise for your life. That's an that's a unchangeable promise, right? Because his word, it's, a, it's infallible. It, it's never wrong. It never fails. It's always uh, true in what it says it is. God doesn't lie. We, we break covenants. But God says, if I promised it, it's because I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, the Bible is full of God's promises for you and I. It's perfect. There ain't no flaws in God's word. It's perfect. It's God's uh, written rhema word for you and I. It's his, it's his, his guide for you and I. When the Bible says it's infallible, it's because there's no, no error in it. it. There's no mistakes in God's word. So if he said it, it's because he's going to do it. Hallelujah. We can trust him to keep his promise. 
And that's why the land was fruitful, because God said, I made a promise with my people that I will take them out of slavery and into the promised land. And in that promised land, there will be fruit, there will be, it will be a blessing, and that's why when the report came back, they started with what they saw. It was, it was fruitful. If it would have not been fruitful, then, then, then God would have been lying. But because God doesn't lie, because God says the truth, and his word is the truth, that's why the land was fruitful. And that's why they started the report in that manner. But that wasn't the end of the report. The report continued, verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak, Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jezebites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near uh, along the Jordan. Ten out of twelve, because there were twelve spies. Ten out of twelve saw a negative report. They saw a negative report on what God said was going to be a blessing. They saw something negative on something that God had blessed. They reported what they saw. And you see, when we walk in our natural human instinct and in our, with our natural ability, we see what we see. The spies weren't lying. When they entered the land, they're reporting what they saw. What they saw was a powerful people all over the place. What they, what they saw, cities are fortified and walls are, uh, and, and, and gated uh, cities, right, and, and, and castles. They saw very large and powerful people. They weren't lying when they said they saw the Amalekites, the Hizzites, the Jezebites, the Amorites, they were in line. They are reporting what they see. What's your report saying to you this morning? What is it that you're going through right now that you can physically see? Because we all going to have a report. I mean, we all going to see what we see. The, the, the 12, uh, the 10, I like to say, the 10 evil carnal spies. That's what I really want to say. And I said it. Because, and I, not to just side note here, they weren't just anybody, the spies. The spies were influential leaders of the Israelites. Each spy, which were 12 tribes, each spy had Tens and hundreds of, ten thousands of people under one spy. Influential people. You see, leadership doesn't, because we have the title of leadership, doesn't give us a special pass into God's presence. Because uh, I'm a full-time pastor, I don't have a special pass to God's presence. He treats us all the same. But out of the 12, two saw something different. Ten saw something negative in what God originally had blessed. And two saw what God originally had blessed as a blessing. What report is in front of you this morning? 
So that's the report there of the Israelites. The second thing I want to show you is the report produces fear all over the nation. Verse 30 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But, you know that but just messes things up sometimes. But the men who had gone up with him said, We cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same. We look the same to them. You see, the report that you have has facts to it, has factual, factual information. They are focusing on what their physical eyes can see. You know, you ever, you ever been somewhere and you're like, whoa, I ain't going over there because that's what I saw, so I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go this route. Because what your physical eyes see, it gives you an, an alert and an, and an understanding of what's ahead. But I like how the enemy at times likes to exaggerate the report. The report, even though it has facts to it, there's an exaggeration. Look at their exaggeration. It says, it devours those living in it. You see, their, their first part says, you know, yeah, they, we shouldn't conquer. It's, 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 it's not good for us. They're, they're strong people. Then the second part, they're like, look, look, you just don't understand. They are strong people over there. I mean, the land devours everything in it. They exaggerated the report. The enemy wants to exaggerate the report. And you know what's? Difficult about it is that if we're looking at the report with our natural eyes, then we're going to see the facts of the report. You see, every day reports are given. You go to your job, you know, you do your taxes, they give you a report. You go to, you go to see the doctor and he gives you a report. Your kids come uh, on open school night with a report card. Every day, there's reports. Tomorrow, me and the senior pastor and, I, and, and Jamie will sit in the, in the office and we'll go through the report of Sunday. Every single day, there's a report. Every single day, uh, you're going to receive a report. Now, the report is the circumstances that you're actually going through right now, that you can see that there are facts to it because uh, facts don't lie, right? Facts don't lie. But that report, what it wants to do to you, it wants to devour your faith. The report given, the enemy is so strategic that when the report is given and the facts are there, right, the facts of the land was that there were giants, but he wants to exaggerate that report so he can bring fear and he can devour your faith. 
You see, this morning, we come to tell them, even though the report has facts to it, even though what I see with my own eyes, it's what's before me, you cannot devour my faith. You can't devour my faith because the factual information wants to bring depression to you. The factual information wants to bring doubt and fear and unbelief. That's what happened to the Israelites. They started doubting, right, what God blessed. They start doubting what God blessed. And guess what happens to that doubt? That doubt became a, a, a fear that crept into the whole, to the whole Israelite camp. And the fear turned into unbelief. And unbelief turned into rebellion. Oh, man, there's a process that, that he's trying to work through that report. But today I want to tell you that the one that goes before you has the answers for your reports. You see, there's some things that we go through in life like, hey, I'll go to the doctor. And he says, he's going to tell me two things. He's going to say, you're doing well physically. Or he's going to say, you've been eating too much, your cholesterol is high. Right? And when, when, when the doctor tells you your cholesterol is high, you walk out of there like, I don't even want to come see this guy. <laughs> it's not a good report. But then there are other reports that have factual information that are more severe than the high cholesterol. There are other reports that you go into the doctor and he says, it's not high cholesterol you have. You, you have cancer, stage three. There are other reports that are so severe that, that, that they come with a hidden agenda and it's to devour your faith and to shake your belief. There are other reports you go into work and, and they give you a pink slip and you're starting to wonder how I'm going to get through this. There's some reports that are severe, and they shake your faith. They shake you out of your seat. As we were expecting our daughter, we went in. Uh, uh, my wife was three months pregnant, and, and, and we sat there, and the doctor comes with a report. And the report says, you know, hey, you know, your daughter has Down syndrome. It shook us right out of our seat. And that same day, as we received the report, we're driving up to a camp, a retreat, and there was silence in the car. Silence. And there were times where, where, where we weeped over the report because the report is there. These are the facts. The facts is that this report wants to shake you out of your faith. It wants to devour you in the land. Oh, man. But thank God that the one who's in charge of all things. You see, Psalms 35 says that weeping may endure a season, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. These are the facts of the report, and this is what we see. But what we see is not what God wants us to see. If we focus on what we see, we will be devoured in the land. The enemy will have his way with our faith. But God says he can't have your way. He can't have his way with your faith. Because I am the one that's in charge. He cannot devour your faith. Don't let him devour your faith this morning with what you're going through. Because it's only for a season. 
And even when the report goes for a long distance, God is still good in who he is. Weeping may endure a season, but joy comes in the morning. You might be going through difficulties right now. You might be weeping, but there's joy tomorrow. You might be weeping, but there was a third day where Christ resurrected. You might be weeping to the report, but he sits on the throne with all power and all glory. Don't let that negative report shake you from your faith. Don't let that negative report uh, alter your way. You see, it started to alter the Israelites. They said, let's just go back. Because at least in Egypt, we had it all right there. It doesn't only want to devour your faith, but it wants to reroute you to a place where you were delivered from. Oh, my goodness. It wants to deliver you. It wants to reroute you from the very place to the very place where God stretched his hand and delivered you from. That's what the report was doing. It was devouring their faith. And instead of moving forward, because God has called you to move forward, even in the midst of a negative report, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. So what it does, it devours their faith and it starts to alter their walk. And they start to look back. And sometimes we look back to the very place that God delivered us from, to the very place where he stretched his hand from it and got us out. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. Even if, if, if you don't see provision, keep moving forward because God provides. You don't see a miracle, keep moving forward because the wilderness is just temporary. You're going to get out of there. The third thing I want to show you this morning is that there's truth to the report. You're like, what do you mean truth? There were the facts of what they saw. The land was full of enemies and giants. Those were the facts. But Caleb said, no, I know what you see. I know what you see. You see the giants but I see the fruitful land. I know, you, I know what you see. you see. You see the facts, but I see the truth that the God that called us will help us deliver us and give us that land. What you see is not what he sees. Oh, man. Sometimes we walk with a crowd of people, and, and, and we, you got to be careful who influences your life. Don't walk with people that are looking at the negative report always. Because what happens is they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna drain you. You got to walk with people that can see the positive in the report. And in these circumstances, there was only two. They were outnumbered by the tribes of Israel. The Bible says that uh, the tribes say, you know what? You keep on seeing that you see a fruitful land. I know that this is what you see, but guess what? We're tired of hearing your report. And what happens is that the whole nation of Israel spoke about stoning Joshua, Caleb, and they said, you know what? Let's stone the leaders while we at it. They said, 
Put Joshua, Caleb there, and put Moses and Aaron there. Get us a new leader that can take us back to the very place that God delivered us from. You see, oh man, the word says in Romans 12, 1, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if you're not transformed by God's word daily, you start to think, of, you start to think about the good old days. Don't dwell in the good old days. Your job is to move forward. And God is with you. Caleb says, I see the, I see the enemy. Uh, I see the land that's fruitful. You see the enemy. The Bible says that I was, as they were getting ready to stone them, God showed up. Isn't that amazing? As the whole Israelite nation was getting to stone his leaders, God shows up. You know why he shows up? Because he's true to his promise and he's true to his word. He's true to what he's promised the nation. He's true to what he has promised you. And when difficulties come and the odds seem against you, I mean, they were outnumbered. And sometimes you look at a report, you see, man, the odds are stocked up against me. But guess what? God is going to show up. And he's going to show up now because we're special. He's going to show up because he says he will show up. He will show up because his word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's a promise. That's why God shows up. Look at what Numbers 14 and I'm getting ready to, to wrap this up soon. Numbers 14 says, 14.24 says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into, and his descendants will inherit it. Don't faint. Follow Jesus with all, with all you got. Because he sits on his throne with all power and all glory. I've never met someone more stronger than our king. I never, I never met someone more stronger than Jesus. He shows up in the specific time of your life. That's who he is. Don't faint because the blessing, it's just around the corner. It's hard to see the blessing when we're looking at the facts. But God says you need to clothe yourself with faith. You need to trust the truth of this report. The truth is, what's the, what's the truth? God's word is the truth. Because God said he will do it, that's the truth. Because God says, I will do it on your behalf. It's not because you're special. But it's because he's faithful to what he has written. He's faithful to his infallible word that doesn't have errors, that doesn't make mistakes. It's going to happen. A.W. Tozer said, faith comes first to the hearing ear and not to the cogitating mind. When we're looking at the facts, we see the problem this big. When we're looking at the facts, we see the issue. And the issue could be small. But because we're looking at the problem, the enemy just says, I'm going to make this picture a little bigger for you. I'm going to make it to the point that it devours you. But the God we serve, he's never lost a battle. The God, I mean, I cannot live without, without not trusting in what he has written. 
I cannot walk a day without not trusting in his promises. Why? Because we're going to get the report. And the report, it, it might shake us, but after it has shaken our faith a little bit, we're going to dry our eyes. We're going to keep on worshiping the King of Kings. <laughs> Pastor, how can I get this faith? First of all, you can get this faith by having Jesus as your personal Savior. Uh, making him not only your Savior, but your Lord. Uh, making him the one who leads and, and governs all things. That's how you can have, your, uh, uh, have this faith. And how can you increase this faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing the word of God. You want faith? Read the scriptures. You want faith and you want God to move on your behalf? Internalize the word. Because what happens is when you, when you intake the scriptures by reading it, meditating in it, something starts to happen in your interior. This, this truth that you intake starts to develop a faith that, that's unshakable. And even when, it is, even when it is shakable at times, it still keeps you grounded on who he is. Intake the truth. Intake the word. Daily, intake the word because the report is coming. You might be going through something this morning, but God says, don't let it shake you because I never lost a battle. Internalizing the truth is how our faith grows. Fellowship with one another is how our faith grows. In community with one another is how we keep ourselves marching together. Sometimes you see people and they just want to march alone. But that's not God's will. It's God's will that we do this together. Because when you're down, I say, hey, man, when you come and you look at the report, you, you tend to look at the negative. I say, I'll, I'll say, hey, I know that that's what you see. But what does the word say? I know what you're facing. Some of us, if we go around the room, we're all facing difficult uh, challenges. But what does the report of truth say? God's word is true. His, his report says, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that fights your battles. I'm the one that goes before you. His report says, don't faint. Don't let the information devour you. Because I'm the one that goes before you. I'm the one that opens doors that no man can open. I'm the one that closes them when everyone is trying. I'm the one that does. That's, that's who we serve. And I'll end with this. Joshua 14, verse 10 and 12 says this. Caleb speaking. At the age of 85. I'm still strong today. As the day of Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me that hill. Caleb says, I'm old now. I've served under, under Moses, and I serve under you, Joshua. But give me the land that belongs to the giants. At the age of 85, his faith was always the same. Through the ups and through the downs, he was never shaken out. He was never detoured. This morning, the Lord says, keep your eyes on me.
The land is strong and it's fortified. And look what he says. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and that the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord is helping me and I will drive them out just as he said. We're not, we're not strong enough. There's no title that can make you strong enough. But God is strong. And because he goes before you, he guarantees a victory for you. I, was, I saw it then when I was young, Caleb said. And I see it now that I'm old. And I still, I'm still as strong as I was. You can depend on God this morning. He has all the answers for you. He will accomplish what he says, and he will do what his word promises. Let's stand up to our feet, church. You might be going through a difficult time today. I don't know what your report has before you, but I know what God's word says. I don't know your circumstances, but I know well, his word says, and his word says that he's the all-powerful, the almighty, the all-strong. He fights for you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. That's what his word says. And his promises are good enough for me. This morning, we're all heads bow. We're going to open up the altar. The Lord is in charge of your report, and he goes before you. Father, Lord, we come before your presence. We give you glory and honor. We thank you this morning, Father, Lord. We know, Father, Lord, that your word does what it's sent to do. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.